Ksuvas Perik Hey Mishnah Dalad five four. The Mishnah is going to ask the question of what happens if the husband is makdish if he consecrates the production that the wife makes. The wife spins yarn. The question is if he's makdish that yarn. What is the status now? Really, um, this is a bit of a complicated issue, and there are two separate points discussed in the Mishnah. I think it's quite difficult to see the different cases in the Mishnah itself, so let's just discuss everything outside first, and then we'll see the Mishnah's words inside afterwards. The first issue is, um, who owns Masiyadeh? Who owns the things she produces? Is it her or him? Um, now, that actually is based, that's a Mechlokas Amorayim, and there's a Mechlokas Roshonim, like whom we Paskin. One Shita is that the whole reason for Masiyadeh belong to the husband is really because it's a benefit to him, and therefore it's his. And and there's just a reciprocal obligation since he gets Masiyadeh, so then he needs to provide her with, with Mizonos, food and spending money. The details about how much food, how much money, what kind of production, um, that will all be um, seen later on in subsequent Mishnayas. The point is, according to one shita, this is really a takana that to benefit him primarily, and her getting the food is is like a follow-on to that, consequent to it. The other approach in the Amarayim is that this is all about her. Our concern is that she should have mazonas, he should feed her, and that's primary, and subordinate to that, consequential to that is this reciprocal obligation that if he's providing the food, the least she can do is she can add to the family budget by also working and we'll see in the Mishnah later on, Mishnah later on, she's expected to do normal work and be, um, you know, work with normal diligence like a regular worker um, and she contributes to the family budget as, you know, a reciprocal part of the deal since she's providing with food, she should also, um, you know, contribute as well. Now, the halacha is that this is all about her. It's to benefit her. And therefore, really, Masyadah starts out being hers. The rabbis say she's going to cede it to him in exchange for Mazonos. That's part of the deal. But therefore, since it's about her, she's entitled to say, forget it. I'd rather feed myself, make my own arrangements, and my work is my own. She has the prerogative to do so. That is the din. Women can say, listen, I'm, don't worry about feeding me. I'll feed myself. But my, you know, whatever my work and my, my output, my labor, all that belongs to me. The other approach is, um, no, it really belongs to the husband. Um, it's just that, you know, he then has to take care of her. And she can't, she can't waive that deal. Now, the halacha, like I said, is like the first sheet of the Ramam and the Yad Paskins that it's really, she, she owns her her stuff, and she can just choose to not give it to him and just agree not to get support from him, financial support from him. If that's the case, it's not his, and the rule is that a person can't be maktish that which isn't his. If I say the sweater that you're wearing is hektish, it belongs to the base hemikdash, that's totally ineffectual because it's not mine to consecrate in the first place. I can only consecrate my own sweater. So that's the first part of the mission. The first part of the mission wants to discuss to whom her masyadeh belong, and the litmus test is, is he able to consecrate it or not? If it's his, he could consecrate it. If it's not his, he can't consecrate it. Okay, that's the first part. Now, what's kind of interesting is that the Bartanura um, learns, like the parish of Mishnah, the Ramam, but not like the Yad, and not Lahalacha, therefore, um, <clears throat> that really he owns masyadeh. 
and she isn't, it's not within her rights to say, I'm not going to give them to you. Okay? So it'll be a different way of reading the Mishnah, what's happening over here. That's the first part of the Mishnah, and the first issue the Mishnah is dealing with. There's a second issue, which is even if it belongs to him, so if she hasn't yet made it, so then it has the status of what's called a davar shlobol olam, a thing which hasn't yet come to the world, meaning which is which is really could take two different forms in general, throughout Kolot or Akula. It could be a thing where the thing just hasn't come into existence yet, meaning if I say the egg that my chicken lays next Tuesday should be hectish. So is that effectual? There's no egg in the world yet. Is, is that effective? And when the egg is born, can I make scrambled eggs and eat it? Or no, it's hectish, because I said ahead of time it's going to be hectish. So since the egg is not a dover shlobal olam, it has to, thing that hasn't come to the world yet, the answer to the question will depend on the machlokas tanaim we see in our Mishnah here, whether or not a person is able to be makdish, something that hasn't yet come into existence. There's a second version of that, which is, even if it exists in the world, like it's not, it, it exists somewhere, but it's not yet his. In other words, <clears throat> the egg is, on the, is being delivered to me next Tuesday. Um, it's an egg that was already hard-boiled and laid last week, but it's coming to me now. Um, but I haven't taken possession of it. Can I be maktish now, even though I'll take possession next week, and then it will be hektishes? So that's, a, that's another version of Dovar Shlobololam. But whatever the case is, whether a person is able to be maktishing, which yet is not in his rishus, slash not in the world, um, is a machlokas tanaim, we'll see in our Mishnah here. And again, the halacha is going to be, like Yochanan Asandar, the second shita, which is that... It, a person may not, simply incapable of being makdish a davar shlobal olam, something not in his possession, or that hasn't come into the world's existence yet. Okay, that's the that's the backstory. That's the story in a nutshell. Now let's see the Mishnah inside. Mishnah says, "Hamakdish ishto." If a person says the stuff that his wife is going to produce, it should belong to the base of mikdash. So this is on the assumption that like Reb Meir Shita, we'll see in the Mishnah moment, that even though it hasn't been made yet, a person's able to be maktesh davash The question is, even if a person could be maktesh that which doesn't exist yet, are her mas his to be maktesh in the first place? So, the Mishnah says, harezu osa vocheles. The Mishnah says, forget about it. She can just spin her yarn and take it to the store and sell it and use the money to buy herself, you know, whatever she wants. A delicious, uh, delicious lunch. The point is that it's it's hers. And the Pashat reading would be that since Masyadeh belongs to her and she can waive the exchange of her giving him Masyadeh in exchange for Mazonos and do it herself, so it's hers and therefore he can't be Maktishet because it's not hers in the first place. The Bartanura, um, who's learning that actually Masyadeh belongs to him and she can't waive that, it's talking about a case where something like, let's say he hasn't got anything to feed her with, so now he's not keeping his half of the bargain. Since he's not keeping his half of the bargain of giving her mazonos, so now she doesn't have to keep her half of the bargain of giving her, him her stuff, and that's why that's why he can't be makdishit. Um, now the second part of the Mishnah says hamosar, additional stuff. This is a, this what this is actually technically referring to is there are certain expectations about how much she's supposed to produce, like how diligent and how hard how hard she's supposed to work. If she goes above and beyond those requirements, that's called the most of the extra. But the the gist of her mission here is actually we're talking about not something which is um, the the point here. The issue, critical issue is even if it um, is his in the first place, but it hasn't yet bololam, could he be makdish? That's what we're focused on. Um, not saying the mission doesn't have to say it explicitly like that, but that's the case. So 
Reb Meir Omer Hektish. Reb Meir says, yes, a person can be Maktish Adavar Shlom So once it's going to be his, and she's agreeable to give it to him, um, he can be Maktish even though it hasn't yet been created. And Reb Yochanan Hassan, there, Omer Chulen. Reb Yochanan Hassan says, no. The declaration that this is consecrated is ineffective, and therefore once it is created, it's Chulen. It's not Hektish. It's, it's profane. And that will be the din. That... Uh, you can't be Maktish Adavar Shalom Okay, that's the that's the simple reading of the Mishnah. Um, like I said, it's it's not uh, not that simple to read it in the Mishnah, but that is the that seems to be the way that the Gemara and Mefarshim learn it.